We have to be proactive in coming close to God. That is our position, and that's what we have to do if we want to be happy, and we want to have success, and we want blessing in our life. That's just going to come by itself. Episode number 91. Welcome to the Torah Podcast. Lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the tools and inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff with this week's Higher Life Podcast. The Torah portion of the week is Kisisa. So far away, how to get close again. We're going to have a powerful parable about the many beautiful garments, a great story about Rav Gifter, and peace in your home, having good character. And now, the Torah portion of the week, with novel ideas from the classic commentaries. In Shmos, verse 32, 19, says like this, It happened as he drew near the camp, and he saw the calf and the dances, that Moses' anger burned. And he threw down the tablets from his hand and shattered them at the bottom of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made, and he burned it in fire. He ground it into as a fine powder and strewed it in the water, and he made the children of Israel drink from it. Then chapter 34 says like this, Hashem said to Moses, Carve for yourself two tablets like the stone ones, like the first ones, and I shall inscribe on the tablets the words which were written on the first tablets that you shattered. Be prepared for me in the morning, ascend Har Sinai in the morning, and stand for me on the mountaintop. No man shall ascend with you, and no man shall be seen in the entire mountain, and the flock and the cattle too shall not be grazing on that mountain. So one of the questions that the commentators ask is, why did Moses wait to shatter the tablets until he saw the Jewish people? We know that Hashem told him before, and the Marashal brings the Gemara in Yavamos, it says, that Moshe's reaction was not an emotional outburst, it was an intellectual decision. So the Marashal asked that if it was an intellectual decision, why did he wait? Hashem already told him before that they sinned. He should have broke them on the spot. There are different answers to this question, but the Marashal wants to answer. He waited because even though he knew intellectually that what they did was wrong until he actually saw it. It didn't penetrate his being to the point where he felt that he could break the luchos. So we see the effect of actually seeing something. There are different levels of what something means. Just because you hear something, it doesn't mean you have the full picture of what it is. And once you see it with your own eyes, experience it, the experience of it has a much greater effect on a person. That's the answer of the Marshaw. The Tzor Ma'or wants to answer that he, Moshe wanted to wait and do the opposite. He wanted to have the effect on the people. He wanted the people, the Jewish people, to see that he's breaking the tablets that Hashem gave him. There was no way that Moshe Rabbeinu was able to give the tablets to the Jewish people at that point because here they are. He comes down after 40 days of being in Har Sinai, after the Jewish people heard the Ten Commandments directly from God. Now he's bringing down the rest of the Torah, and here the people are sinning. How could it possibly he give the Torah? Therefore, he wanted to wait and to show them, look what you lost. It's unbelievable what you lost, and he broke the tablets in front of them. Another question the Meforshim asked is, why did Moshe break the Luchos? He should have brought them back to Hashem. So Rabbein Obaki wants to explain that the letters flew out of the Torah. In other words, the tablets themselves just became like stones. They had no value. The Torah flew off of them. He, they saw the letters fly off the Torah. So he was able to break them. They had no value. And the Midrash says that at that point they were just like stones, like a dead body. Just when, when the soul leaves the body, so all you have there is a body. It had no purpose, no meaning. Because the holiest in the Torah could not enter the camp of Israel. 
Once they sinned, the Torah couldn't be amongst them. The Torah had to be separated. But the problem now is the only way to get close to God is through the Torah. And now the Torah is gone. Moshe Rabbeinu breaks the luchos. And therefore God has to command to rewrite them again. Look what Shem Shalafarosh says. He says, the condition for the restoration of the original intimate relationship between God and Israel is our reacceptance of the Torah in our midst. For it alone can create the relationship. Only Torah can create a relationship with God. The people must now hand the blank tablets. Now he had to take blank tablets, bring them to God, and then God again had to write them with his own finger. It's written by the Torah, it's written by the finger of God, like it says. Our transgressions do not in any way alter the content of God's law. It was going to be the same law. God does not reform the law to accommodate our weakness. But now it had to come from us. The physical luchos had to come from the Jewish people. It had to come from our side. We had to be more proactive at this point in order to receive the Torah. Before we were receiving the Torah, it was coming completely from Hashem, down from Moshe Rabbeinu. Now that the tablets are broken, we're going to have to be more proactive. So, okay, now that makes sense. But many of them before Shem ask, so why did Moses have to go back another 40 days on Hart Sinai to receive the Torah again? He already received the Torah. Could have gone up there for one day, had God written it down again and come back. Why another 40 days? So the Sfas Emes has a unique approach. Most of them before Shem do not say like him. He wants to say that really now Moshe was on a higher level. Why was Moshe on a higher level? Because after the Jewish people sinned, and he, Moshe Rabbeinu himself did tshuva. He related, he had so much empathy towards the Jewish people. He felt like he sinned and he had to do tshuva. Because he did tshuva, he went up to a higher level. Since he went up to a higher level, he had to get more deepness in the Torah. He had to understand new higher levels. He needed another 40 days to go up. But that's a unique approach. Most of the other Mephorshim want to explain the opposite. Since we went down a level, Moses had to go back to relearn the Torah in order to teach it in a way that it would be able to relate to us. And the Shem Shmuel explains, and we know it's true, the Zohar said, that when the Jewish people received the Torah, at that point, they went back to the level of before the Chet of Adam Rishon, where the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, was outside. The Nachash was outside of the Jewish people. Once we ate from the tree, so then the, the Satan came inside of us. And at Hart Sinai, again, Hashem took away our Yetzirah, our evil inclination. So our evil inclination was outside of us. So the Torah that we were receiving directly from Hashem was a Torah to be able to live in a world where the Yetzirah exists outside, much less influential. Once we sinned again, the Yetzirah came back inside of us, so we needed a new Torah. And Moshe Rabbeinu had to go back up to receive the Torah in a way with more dini, more laws and, and new nuances that it would affect the Jewish people, that he'd be able to lead us in the right way. Like the tour says that our status changed. It's a fact. And we see that from the fact that it said no man should come to the mountain on the second time. No sheep, no cattle should be around. We dropped levels. So we needed a new Torah to better relate to the level we were on. And this is exactly what Moshe Feinstein says. It takes much more effort to be a leader and an influence in a generation of sinners. And therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu had to go back up to Sinai for 40 days to himself, to strengthen himself, that he should have more strength. He should learn the Torah with more intensity and more force in order to have the power to be a leader of a generation that sinned. And Revolbi brings the Gemara in Avodah Zarah 5a that says like this, The second set of Lucas were different than the first set. Why? If we would have had the first set till today, we would be able to conquer our Yetzirah, like I said, our evil inclination would be outside of us. We'd have the ability to not sin. 
And not only that, we never would have been oppressed by the foreign nations. We would never have gone into exile, or the exile we've been in for a thousand years. That's if we had the first Luchos. So that set of Luchos was not Shaykh, it was not applicable for us anymore. We dropped levels. He said, the actual Torah would remain unchanged, but the manner in which it's conveyed to Bnei Yisrael will be different. And he brings a proof for this. Chazal says, in Gemara Rosh Hashanah, 25b, it says, Yiftach and his generation was parallel to Shmuel and his generation. So how can that be? doesn't make any sense. Shmuel was a Navi, was, was a prophet comparable to Moshe and Aaron, and Yiftach was not even a, a prophet. So if Sadaka Cohen answers, yeah, they were the same. Just like Shmuel gave over the Torah to his generation on their level, so too Yiftach gave over the, the generation in his level. They were the same. And he brings... And he brings down Rav Chatzkel, who said in our generation, the past hundred years, it's not applicable to talk about punishment and fire and Gehanim, all these different horrible things that will happen to a person if he sins. People can't relate to it anymore. And that's why the Sabbath Mitzlobatka always talked about the opposite, the godless Adam, the greatness of man. Understand who you are. You're in this, you're a Selim Elohim. You're in the image of God. How can you possibly sin? And for us, that speaks to our hearts much more than hearing about all these horrible punishments we're going to get. That doesn't speak to us anymore. We need to hear how, how great we are and how great we can be. And give us, that's the thing that gives us inspiration. So in the sense, the focus, Enoch and Ami, both of these things are both true, that man is a Selim Elohim, and God forbid there is punishment. But in order to move us, to motivate us, we have to focus more on the fact, on the gutless Adam, the greatness of man. How can we possibly sin if we're, if we're in the image of God? How can we do such a thing? How can we degrade ourselves? We have to understand our greatness, which will help us in a situation where we're about to fall. So he ends up by saying that the beauty of the Torah always stays the same. It's a question what the focus is in the Torah. The focus has to change based on the generation. Now the question is, what do we have to do from our side? This is a fact. We are now what's called Bidi Evid position. After the fact. The Lukos were first Lukos are broken. We're now we're in a world where we live where the sin happened, and we have to try to come close to God. So Rev Moshe Shapiro explains exactly this point. This is exactly why Moshe broke the Lukos. Why? Because the first Lukos was totally came from God. But the new Lukos had to be written coming from us. They were written on something that came from man. He says that after the sin, the natural, our natural connection to the Torah was broken. We would have had the first Luchos, we would have had a natural connection to the Torah. Now that they're broken, the only way that we can get the Torah is we have to really, really want to receive the Torah. We have to be receivers of Torah. It says the second Luchos were Kuroshonim. The second Luchos were like the first set of Luchos. What's that mean? In the sense that both of them connect us to the Torah, but the rules are different, he explains. So what's the difference? And he brings the Vilna Gong. And the Pasik says, Asher Baral Akim Lasos. Hashem created to do. Man was put into this world to do. He made it possible for our mice to fuse with his. Pasulacha, when Hashem said to Moses, Pasulacha, invalidate these first luchos. So he wants to explain that this is, gives us the ability now, since the first Luchos are puzzle, and we have the next set of Luchos, so now we've entered into the world where we have to act. No longer is it going to come directly to us. We have to act. It has to come from us. The Vilna Gon says the Luchos are a maise, they're an action. 
our human medium, something that we would have otherwise been exclusively a power negated to Hashem. In other words, everything would have been in Hashem's hands before, but now it's the ball's in our hands. He continues and explains that Hashem consoled Moses. Why? The concept of Torah shall bel the oral tradition, did not exist in the first Luchos. This is unbelievable. The first Luchos, everything would have been clear. Everything would have been barur. Would have been, we didn't need the Torah shall bel It was only after the second Luchos that we received the Torah shall bel which means the ball is in our hands. Torah pay means you have to work hard to understand, to go back and forth and spend hours figuring out what it says. What's the will of God? What's the right thing? What's the truth? Is it clear? Working and working constantly, but it's all coming from our mycene, from our acts. Before, if not, the Torah would have been much more directly from God himself. So this is the answer to what we have to do. We have to work hard to come close to God. Since we were pushed away, we have to come back. That's, that's, that's what we're supposed to do now that we're in this position. We have to try to strive to understand what we're supposed to do in our lives. What are we doing in this world? And he says, a parallel to this idea of Pasal Achaz the Mishkan. This is unbelievable. He says, most of the Rishonim, except for the Ramban, said we received the Mishkan, the tabernacle, when? Only after the first Luchos. In other words, the base of Migdash and the tabernacle, the presence of God in a very specific place, that idea only came after the breaking of the Luchos. Why? Because before that, if we would have the first Luchos, God would have been everywhere. We didn't have to go to a specific place and a specific time to daven. God would have been close to us. The Shekhinah would have been here. But after the Luchos were broke, so then we needed the Mishkan. We needed the temple. We needed to do Mycene. We need to get out of our bed to go to a specific place. We have to do things in order to come close to God. Because God's presence became very limited in this world, put into the Mishkan, put into the temple. So therefore, the, it's more on our side that we have to produce the results. So we have to know it's up to our actions. Religion is not a thing. You just hang around. I'm religious. What do you mean you're religious? Oh, I keep Shabbos, and I eat kosheris, and I do this and that. But basically, I live. where's God in your life? No. It has to be active. We have to be proactive in coming close to God. That is our position, and that's what we have to do if we want to be happy, and we want to have success, and we want blessing in our life. That's just going to come by itself. We have to do actions now. My seem, I one time a guy in the mirror said, my seem, you have to act. It's not just a religion where you hang out and you read books. No, we must act. And the more we act, the more blessing we'll have. Here is a powerful parable. So the Magin Maduba brings the same verse. I actually brought this parable once before, but I'm going to bring it again since it's so applicable here. The verse said, I will write upon these tablets the words which we, on the first tablets which you have broke. So he brings Mesekti Yavamos that says, Reishlachis says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Moshe, Thank you for breaking the Luchos. What's the Masha? The Masha is, One time there was a guest who had a lot of very beautiful clothes, and he came to visit this town. And he wanted to spend several weeks to show off his clothes to all the people in the town. So what happened? Every day was a sunny day. He looks outside. He wants the weather to change. Why? Because I say, listen, if the weather changes, then I can change my clothes. On a sunny day, I wear these clothes, beautiful clothes. On a rainy day, I wear these beautiful clothes. So he's looking out the window. And he's waiting for it to rain. And when it rains, he's all happy. So too, when Moses broke the luchos. 
if we would have stayed on the original level, which we were before the sin of the golden calf, we would have no need for anything but the written Torah. And no one would regress. That's all we needed. But once, but now you said, I'll send. Well, now we need the Midrash, the Halakas, the Agados, the Torah Shabbat Pei. We need all these beautiful, other beautiful things, <laughs> but they're all beautiful, and we need them. So Hashem said, thank you, thank you, Moses, for breaking the Luchos. Why? Because now I can give to the Jewish people all the other aspects of the beautiful Torah. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. So the verse in this week's Parsha says, I shall broaden your boundary. One time, Rav Eliel Blach asked Rav Gifter, they were in America, to rebuild the glorious Tels Yeshiva on American soil. And Rav Gifter agreed. So one time, they were going to a Svarim store, and Rav Eliel Blach asked the store owner, do you have a Kusosik Hoshin? Now, the Kusosik Hoshin is a very lumdish safer. It's a safer, a very difficult safer, a very deep safer. It's only for really people who are really dedicated to learning Talmud. So he asked him if they had this safer. So he was really thought there was a very slim chance that this, this bookstore is going to have this safer here in America. There's a store owner starts looking through the back. He's looking through all the books. All of a sudden, he finds a Kusos. He says, unbelievable. The store owner, everybody was happy. The store owner was happy because he understands the value of the safer. But the store owner said to him, listen, you managed to survive the Holocaust. Your whole family passed away. You rebuilt your family here. Now you want to open a yeshiva. You think your yeshiva is going to work in America? It's not going to work here. Give up the idea of opening yeshiva. It's going to be too much stress for you. You're going to collapse under the strain. And not only that, I believe that this kassos that I'm selling you right now is the last kassos that's going to be sold in America. I don't think any other Jew on this continent is interested in the kassos. So this is this historic moment, the store owner said. This is the last kassos being sold in America. But Rev. Gifter didn't listen to him. He wasn't the kind of person to listen to uh, this type of talk. Even though it's true, in post-war era in America, it almost seemed impossible to open up a yeshiva. Who's going to come to the yeshiva? But he said, Torah is not subject to the laws of nature, nor to the Torah scholars who limit to other national abilities. Hashem has promised that the Torah should not be forgotten from the mouth of the Jewish people's offspring. It's a pasuk in Devarim. And what happened from that point? Torah flourished in America. And he says, there were more copies of the Kassos printed in America than there were printed the entire time in the entire world up to then. So the store owner was wrong, and if Gifter was right. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. So Ramosha Armstrong explains that if you want to have peace in your house, you're going to have to have good character traits. It says, a man must always fear God. What does it mean? A man, a mensch. A mensch, being a mensch, a man, comes before fearing God. You have to have good character before you get on without our religion. Rabbeinu Yonis says, The Torah never resides in the body of someone who has bad meters. If you have bad character, you're not going to have any Torah. And he brings the growth of Mishli that says, Seize Musa and do not let it go. You have to go against your nature. What's the purpose of life if you're not to go against your nature? And if not, if you keep the exact same character and you learn Torah, the Torah itself will come into some amaves, will be a poison. In other words, you're going to grow. And that's exactly what he says. It brings the Vilna Gon, the famous Vilna Gon, that says 
You know, the Torah is like dew and rain. So whatever is there, whatever character you have, the more Torah you learn is a, a spiritual force. It's going to help you to grow. But what grows? What's ever there? <laughs> and what's supposed to happen? As you grow and you see that your bad character gets worse and worse, so then you uproot it and you keep the good and you push away the bad. But if you learn and you become spiritual and, and, then, and you have bad character, you're going to turn yourself into a monster, become Samamavis, the spice of death. So learning Torah is not going to help you in your house if you don't also work on your character. And why is it? We see that Eliezer tested Rivka. And Avramedov made Eliezer swear. Why did he make Eliezer swear? Uh, he wasn't afraid before that he was going to steal money. He transferred his possessions to Yitzchak. He wasn't afraid that Eliezer was going to steal any money. No, but when it came to finding a wife for his son... No compromises. Emidus tells us in your Shemayim, because these are the foundations of life. He wanted to make sure that Eliezer tested Rivka to make sure she really did have good character. And the Brisker Rav notes that only Yitzchak was only consoled after he brought Rivka into his home, and he saw that she had the good Midas, and the blessings came back. With the cloud, the candle, the dough, all the blessings came back. That was a sign of her good Midas. It wasn't enough that there was miracles by, by Eliezer. That's what the Brisker Rav asked. Why were the miracles or not? So the Brisker Rav says it wasn't enough. The main thing was really good meadows. We don't care if there was miracles that Eliezer found, found her uh, through miracles. The main thing was good meadows. And one time he says, a man complained that his wife had such exceptional character that the neighbors were taking advantage of her. Everybody takes advantage of my wife. She's such a good person. So he told him the famous Chafetz Chaim, it says, a good-natured person suffers from others, and a bad-natured person makes other people suffer. So who would you rather be when you get to the next world? The good-natured person who had suffering, or the bad-natured person who made other people suffer? But the main thing is that if you want to have peace in your house, you have to have good meadows, good character, and you have to make sure you do not make your spouse suffer. God forbid your spouse should suffer because of you. Okay, that's it for this week's podcast. I hope you'd enjoy it, and please share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. To get more enthusiasm for your Judaism, become a free member at GlobalYeshiva.com.